It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Looking at Auburn's 2024 class, who is standing out early? You are Locked On Auburn, your daily podcast on the Auburn Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on into Locked On Auburn, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. I'm your host, Zach Blackerby, and thank you so much for making Locked On Auburn your first listen every single day. Welcoming back Brad Law of the Auburn Sports Network to the show. Brad, it's been too long. He also, uh, we also co-host Village Vice together. Brad Law, welcome in. Hope your Christmas was very, very merry. You guys, with the Auburn Sports Network and War Eagle Plus, you guys put out a ton of content pertaining to signing day. You got to talk to all of these kids. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to ask you a very broad question to start our conversation today. Who stood out when you talked to all of these kids and did some of these interviews for the for this extra content? Yeah, Zach, it's it's good to be back with you. I, I listen to it's gonna be weird hearing myself at the gym. Like usually that's this is what I'm listening to. And so this is a little odd. But anyway, um, thanks for having us back. That you know, the thing that stood out to me was the the maturity of a lot of these guys. Now, if you're a division one athlete, uh, you're doing a lot of interviews, you you kind of get used to some stress, it's stressful being recruited is stressful for 16, yeah. 17, 18 year old guy. You kind of have to grow up and, and establish some maturity, but I'll, I'll pick one offensive guy and one defensive guy. Great. Uh, Deandre Carter on the offensive line, a guy who at, at uh, modern day in Santa Ana, it's one of the top high school programs, if not broadly considered the best high school football program in the country. And he started on the offensive line from his ninth grade year on. Um, Insane. That's that's a lot of polish. He's got a lot of football savvy. I got a chance to ask him what he thought the the best part of his game, the strongest part of his game. And that's what he said. He said football savvy, football IQ, um, sort of knowing what defensive players are going to do, the technique portion of it. It's not a physical thing. It's a mental thing, an intellectual yeah. thing for him. Gosh, that bodes well, not just for 2024, but just like him as a player and for his career, both in college and, and beyond that. So I think offensively him and then Joe Phillips is a guy. I know I, when we did Village Vice last week, I said the same thing. Yeah. Um, he's so businesslike. You know, we bring these guys in. We want them to feel comfortable. We kind of we're light with them. Joe Phillips ain't light. He wasn't light, at, was not interested in being light. I kind of get the idea that if you ask him, all right, what do you do for fun? His answer would be win. Winning's fun. <laughs> Let's do the work necessary to win. It's a really mature. It's almost like he's 30 years old talking to you before he's stepped on campus. So yeah, um, that, that and, was the sense I got. I do wonder if we're going to see more of that moving forward because a lot of these guys that are high four stars that realize how good they are moving forward and and they understand that like, this can be my life. This can be my job. Yeah. I can take care of my myself, um, my family, everyone around me. Four years earlier than normal with, with the blessing that is NIL for some of these kids. And I do wonder if you're going to see more of that moving forward of these folks that kind of figure out, oh my gosh, like, this is life-changing money <laughs> at 18 years old, not when you get drafted at 21 or 22. So we'll see. But yeah, Joseph Phillips, man, every time, everything I hear about Joseph Phillips is how impressive he is and this is not anything against Jamonta Waller 
Right. But there's this talk as if it's Jamonta Waller and then Joseph Phillips. When the rankings, they've got Joseph Phillips higher, but it's really going to be 1A and 1B. And I'm, I can't wait to see what they do via the transfer portal because right now the Jack linebacker room, you've only got four dudes in there. Yeah. And McLeod's going to be the guy. We know that. But I think we see both of these freshmen pursuing SEC quarterbacks this upcoming fall. Yeah, you got a lot of depth there now. You have competition. They're going to push each other yeah. in practice, so they'll get better right away. And that youthful hunger, like they haven't been here to learn what, what doesn't work yet or why they can't be successful. So, yeah, it's going to be all out. A lot of these guys, too, that can get to campus and participate in – in bowl practices, it's it's learning mode now, and that's their approach. Like that's what a few of them said to me. Their approach is let's learn and soak up all the information now, and then when January comes and when the spring comes, that's when you're competing for jobs, competing for playing to not just playing time and but competing for starting jobs and second jobs and and stuff like that. So I'm 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 so excited to see the explosiveness out of this this defensive class. Speaking of, there's another one of those guys, Jay Crawford, Jalen Crawford, the uh, the defensive back. What stood out to me about him, by the way, so yeah. under his tape is so good. It is. And he's got the like of the guys that talked to like this is just the small sample size is guys who talked to me and what they showed. He was the most enthusiastic about getting to campus. Yeah. And how much you care about something is I think a big indicator of how, like, if you can start with care, how much do you care? Well, you can be taught the right things to do to succeed if you start with how much you care. And he is really enthusiastic about getting to campus. Yeah, there's going to be a chance for a lot of these young guys to come in and play. Demarcus Riddick is apparently really impressing his teammates. He's already here. He's doing some of the bowl yeah. practices. It sounds like he's getting reps at linebacker and safety based off of some people that I talked to, which is not unusual because that's what he did at the high school level. That's just going to be a big safety if that ends up being where he's going to play. But six three two twenty, yeah, it oh. can move so well. Gosh, he can move so well, and so that's a guy that I'm excited about too, Brad. Yeah, I mean, you you start this list and you could be here a while. I mean, that's the reason why everybody's so pumped about this class, why the vibes are so good right now is because there are so many. Like statistically, if you miss on a couple, um, there are other guys. It's that mm -hmm. deep of a class. And it's just, look, statistically, you probably will. A couple of guys probably won't reach that full potential. It's just what happens. You're not pulling for that yeah. to happen. It's just kind of natural. But you have so many guys. There's there's depth and competition at all of those rooms in this class. No doubt. No doubt. I don't think it's unusual, though, to just look at some of these rooms and say, okay, in two years, this is what the starting group looks like. Like, if you yeah. told me that you're starting linebackers in two or three seasons, it's DJ Barber and Demarcus Riddick after, you know, Eugene Asante's group. You know they all they all go off and graduate. It's like yeah, that 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 probably makes sense. That yeah. probably makes sense. That those guys are going to start next to each other at some point. Sure. Yeah. And how good does that make you feel if they develop? And there's no reason to think that they won't. Yeah. Because the staff has shown in a year, again, small sample size, but in a year, they've shown the ability to develop players. Um, 
It's a pretty good group. And that doesn't take into account transfer portal, doesn't take into account the 25 class and That's right. future depth stacking that happens there. I'm telling you, it's not a straight. You don't have to twist anybody's arm to believe that Auburn is going to be right up there with the major players for the next few years. Yeah. Brad, I'm going to ask you to, to reach into your pocket and pull out a telescope and look into the future. Okay. Look into the horizon and uh, kind of pull out what do we think can be the 2024 proper expectations for Hugh Freeze's second season. We'll talk about that in just a moment right here on Locked on Auburn. Today's show brought to you by our friends at eBay Motors. eBay Motors is the best place to buy any part for your car, truck, or SUV. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts for your number one rider, eBay Motors has you covered. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit or you get your money back. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. USA. USA. Right. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. All right, Brad Law, our guest from the Auburn Sports Network. Let's discuss the 2024 season as a whole. The schedule's out. I think it's the most favorable schedule Auburn has had that I can remember. Brad, yeah. and all of a sudden, I think that should impact expectations, realistic expectations, because not all nine and threes are the same. I yeah. think Auburn going nine and three next year is an easier path than Auburn going nine and three with last year's schedule. But you look at it, and outside of Georgia, Alabama, I'm going to throw at Missouri in there. I think Auburn should be expecting to win every game outside yeah. of those uh, outside of those three. Um. And I still want to see what happens with Mizzou and what happens with their roster after this year before I can, not that I concede any of them, but before I put that one even in that category. Okay, um, that's fine. I, I like the home schedule. I think Oklahoma is the, if you're looking at a game where you're least confident, and I'm still over 50% in that game. Uh, road games are tough. Road games are going to be tough. But if you look at a 12-team playoff format, and if you look at this year's rankings, of course, if you're looking for consistency, don't look to the playoff committee because there is no consistency there year after year. But um, all of the teams in the top 12 this year mm -hmm. are 10 and 2 or better. Right. There are no three loss teams in the top 12. The only two loss team outside the top 12 was SMU at 11 and 2. Mm -hmm. So, I think nine and three is realistic. I think the floor, you're you're looking at eight and four for the floor in twenty-four being eight and four. I, I don't know if I necessarily agree with the floor being eight and four just because we're all having New Mexico State flashbacks right now. It's just like <laughs> I don't think that's gonna happen again. But I think it could, right? Yeah. Like I don't think it's likely, but I do think it it could. So I mean, as far as floor goes, like could Texas AM figure it out? Could Oklahoma figure it out? And then the three games that we just mentioned, like, 
mean, I could see a world where Auburn goes six and six or seven and five next year. I don't think it's going to happen, but right. I could see it happening. All right. I guess it depends on how you define the floor. Like sure. The, the, that's that's the, fair. The realistic floor, the possible floor. Um, so I I think um, I don't know. I, of course, I didn't see New Mexico. New Mexico State is the outlier. New Mexico State. We talk about so. how that's one in a thousand, and if it's one in a thousand or even one in a hundred, you don't see it again for twenty five years, right? Because you got four non conference games. If it's one in a hundred, you don't see it again for twenty five years. And this year's non conference slate of of ULM, New Mexico, Cal, and Alabama A and M. I get that I didn't see it before, but yeah. now, especially because it happened, I don't see it again, and I don't see the circumstances that led to it playing out again. So I think you, uh, I think you just completed the quickest math to ever be done in the history of the show. <laughs> it's four. It doesn't matter. I don't know if it's logical, but it's complete. It's no, complete. It's so, complete. It makes sense. I, I do. I think you're looking at. I think you're looking at an eight and four floor. Remember, you're very close to that this year. Yeah, really, really stinking close in 2020. It's actually heartbreaking to think about how close you were to that. Yeah. Can you imagine if Auburn was eight and four this past season? Like if they just play a normal football game against New Mexico State and defend a fourth and 31. Can you imagine paired with the seventh ranked recruiting class coming out of early signing day? Like, can you imagine what that would feel like right now? It's heartbreaking, really, to think about it. Getting ready for a January 1st bowl game. And yeah. Yeah, I can't imagine, um, and I think it's coming soon. I, I think fans yeah. are going to feel what that feels like sooner rather than later with this group that they have coming in. Again, the roster is is going to be better at most, if not every position. It's not mm -hmm. gonna it's not gonna go back. I don't see a position that goes backwards in twenty four. Corner cornerback will go backwards. I think that's, that's it. Though. All right, all right. That's that's yeah i think you could buy that sure i mean I, i'm a dj james truther through yeah. and through so that's just that was just a reflex it just came out but i think that's <laughs> it i think that's it outside of corner so if you're eight and four i mean there are one two three four five teams that are eight and four that are in the final college football playoff rankings not in the top 12 but they're in the final rankings yeah you, you flip one of those four to a win and now you're knocking on the door what are your wins? What are your losses? Are you a part of the conversation to be in that top 12 in year two? So reasonable expectation to me, reasonable is eight and four with a with a realistic shot at flipping one of those nine and three, 10 and two is not out of the question with this group. That would be insane. That'd be awesome. All right. In just a second, we're going to jump uh, to a conversation that JJ Jackson, host of Locked on Blue Devils, also a member of the Auburn Sports Network. Um, talking about the new transfer linebacker from Duke. But before that, Brad, let's reminisce just for a second. Yeah. Your favorite moment from 2023 was what? Yeah, I guess it's time to do that. That's wild that we have less than a week left in, in yeah, 2023. Um, crazy. Well, let me go back to the sum. Let me go chronologically. But the Perry Thompson flip and the scene where he makes his commitment to the coaching staff and then they throw Hugh Freeze in the pool. Sure. Uh, summertime vibes, man. Everybody was feeling great. That came during a time where there was a lot of recruiting momentum and so much hopefulness and optimism before a single game had been played. Um, that was fun. That was like summertime fun. And then on the field, I'm actually going to go with the second game of the year at Cal. 
Cal? Okay. Yeah, I'm going to go Cal. You know, it didn't start well. You're playing late at night, all the way on the other side of the country. You had every reasonable excuse to lose the game after it started the way it did. I understand the roster was better and the game's probably not close this fall. Like, in, I get all that. But for that team to have to be looking for a way to reestablish itself as a winner, to learn how to come from behind, win a game that they trailed late, and to make the plays on that final drive that it made, I thought that was a standout moment in in this in a six win season. That was a really critical win for this team in week two. It was, it was. And boy, if they, if they don't do that, I think the season probably develops differently than, uh, than it did. So I, I think that's interesting. That's not, that's not one that I would have guessed, but it makes sense Yeah. why you said it. Mine probably would be after the Arkansas game when we were already so excited because we just destroyed the Razorbacks. Yeah. And then Jamonta Waller flips and it's like, oh my goodness, everything's going so well. We won't talk about what happened the week after that, but in that moment, yeah, the energy around the Auburn football program was the highest it's been in a long time. In a long time, I mean, it's it was a different type feeling, but I mean, similar to you know the the caddy win against Texas A and M, um, you know when when there was so much uncertainty around the football program. You know what I think is interesting too is think about how much momentum the program has now. And think about that moment and think about how little effect New Mexico State and the heartbreaking Iron Bowl loss had to that momentum. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that goes to show that it was never really about this year. Mm -hmm. It was never really about 2023 because I've talked about this on the show before, Brad, and I, I think you'll agree. Whenever Hugh Freeze was hired, we all agreed on one thing. We all agreed that it was going to be a build. And so everything that we looked at and point to that goes into building a program, which is you got to raise money and you got to get talent. And it, it appears that those two things have certainly happened or they're trending in the right direction. And people want to focus on the New Mexico state loss, which the way I reacted to that was poorly. Uh, I'll, I, I get it. That was a terrible loss. You should never lose New Mexico state in anything. And then the fourth and 31 yeah. loss but yeah, it was just never about this year. And uh, the rebuild's not about the first year. It's yeah. just not. And so when he was all hired, we agreed on that. And then the goalpost moved a little bit to some, for the, to some of the freeze naysayers, even within the Auburn fan base. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I, I think year one is important foundationally. The foundation to your house is critical. You can't see it. You it's It's not visible. It's not you know, curb appeal or anything like that, but it is very important. And there was just nothing that happened in year one that did anything to slow down the momentum, a, a generational type of, of loss that should never happen. It's fine in the moment to react to it the way everybody did, because it should never happen. Sure. But it didn't slow anything down. Imagine that big boulder rolling down the hill and you know, a, a a small little bush gets in the way. It does not slow down the momentum. That thing keeps right on tumbling down. The Auburn's hill. the boulder. Yeah. And Auburn's the boulder. I got I it. think so. I got it. Yeah. New Mexico State, you're just a bush. You're just a bush. Get out of here. All right. Coming up, we're going to talk about Auburn's uh, newest linebacker, uh, the standout from Duke, Mausi. 
Uh, Brad, how can people check out everything that you've got going on, my friend? Uh, a lot going on this time of year, uh, for sure. AU Brad Law on X, and that's really where most of my stuff is. And don't, hey, Village Vice. You got to watch Village Vice. Vice. Yeah. Yeah, that's, if you're like, uh, man, Zach, Brad, y'all are so good together. We are together. Village Vice. Uh, the the YouTube page is called Wardam Pod, so be sure to subscribe to that. And uh, it's it's also available on audio. So just search uh, for Village Vice. will come up. It's a thing. It's a it thing. Is. Thank you so much, Brad. Appreciate you, buddy. Thank you, Zach. Coming up, conversation with J.J. Jackson of Locked On Blue Devils. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, especially during March. Your eyes are on the road, but the driver in front of you has both eyes on their bracket. Their sudden braking puts you in a 16-car pileup that's anything but sweet. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this is worse than a busted bracket. So switch to Allstate. Save money and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability, savings vary. Welcoming J.J. Jackson, the host of Locked On Blue Devils, also doing some play-by-play for the Auburn Tigers, uh, the basketball game Friday night. Great job, as always, my friend. So let's talk about new Auburn linebacker, former Duke linebacker, Dorian Mausi. Played a ton of football, dude. Yeah, absolutely. A, a lot of experience for this Duke football program over the last four years. Has one more year of eligibility to use, puts himself in the transfer portal, and ends up committing to Auburn. This one kind of took me by surprise. I don't see very many Auburn and Duke crossovers in my life outside of myself, and now we've got another one sure. uh, with Mausi coming over this way, Zach. So um, absolutely love what he's done throughout his Duke career and uh, excited to see what he's going to be able to do this upcoming season for Auburn. Total defensive snaps at his Duke uh, at, while he was at Duke. Do you know what the number is? It's near 2,000. I know that much. It's 1,831. I mean, that's insane. He played 736 snaps in 2021. How do you do that? Yeah, it's nuts what he was asked to do for that Duke team. And I think when you look at what he's done throughout his career, he stayed through a coaching change, right? David Cutcliffe is there his freshman and sophomore season. That's also during the time where football's weird. We're going through the COVID years. Uh, and you're asked to play a lot more snaps out there on the defensive end of the field. Uh, Duke had a middle linebacker that season, and Shaka Hayward, who really uh, was one of the top linebackers in the entire conference. Mausi kind of studied him. He spoke a lot about how much Shaka Hayward meant to his maturation as a college football linebacker, and then stays through the coaching transition. Now Mike Yelko comes in. It's not David Cutcliffe and quarterbacks of years past. Everyone knows about his Manning connections. Now it's a defensive-minded guy. Yeah. He's asked for more responsibilities on the defensive end of the field, and that's exactly what he did for two seasons under Mike Elko. All right, so you're the perfect guy to talk about Dorian Mayusi just because of uh, your Duke connection yeah. and, and your Auburn connection. So where does he fit in with this team? I mean, this is a deep room, JJ, and it's so funny. This time a year ago, this was kind of one of the concerning position groups on the roster, much like offensive line, they flipped this room. Some of that has to do with the emergence of Eugene Asante and him coming back. You go out and get Austin Keys a year ago, Cam Riley's still sticking around, and then you know Robert Woodyard. Like we're still kind of waiting on him, but he should be good at some point. He certainly has the traits to do it. And then you got Demarcus Riddick and uh, DJ Barber coming in. Where does Mausi fit in? In this room, because there's a lot of guys, a lot of mouths to feed, and you don't leave, you don't play 1,800 snaps somewhere and leave and not expect to play. 
Yeah, I think absolutely. That's kind of the mindset for my OC is that, look, I'm coming to Auburn. I'm going to play right away. Whatever that looks like, however many snaps per game that looks like, if it has to start with more of a special teams role before you get to transition a little bit more into uh, to football. But uh, you mentioned Eugene Asante, right? And we talk about college basketball's finest rivalry between Duke and North Carolina. Asante, the former Tar Heel. Now you've got Mausi, the Blue Devil, nice. in the same linebacker room. That's a fun connection for people out there. And I'm hoping he can be as productive as someone like Eugene Asante was transitioning into more football for Auburn. I mean, there were big-time moments this past season that Mausi had for this Duke football team. You talk about the first game of the season. Duke is playing Clemson. Labor Day night. Everyone's watching the game. Duke hasn't beaten Clemson since 2004, nearly 20 years. And at the end of the game, it's Mausi who comes up with the big-time interception to kind of put the exclamation mark on that win for Duke. The only one he had in his career, but it was a big one. So found a way to make big plays when it mattered most. Uh, and I think he could absolutely do that as well when he comes to Auburn. I mean, is this a situation when you look at this Auburn roster, you're expecting it to be him and Eugene Asante starting, if you had to guess? Or would you say an Austin Keys or somebody else steps up and starts next to Eugene Asante? I think you really like what you saw kind of down the stretch and when Austin Keys was on the field for Auburn football. So yeah. I would like to think that there's room for him to be a playmaker uh, in a larger role this upcoming season if he can stay healthy. There were also um, some kind of banged up seasons for Dorian Mausi throughout his Duke career. You mentioned 2021 when he plays nearly 800 snaps, but there were other seasons where there was some drop-off uh, and he wasn't able to play as much out there on the field. He had some of those uh, kind of um, casts that he was having to play football with throughout his Duke career as well. So uh, I think he definitely competes for the spot, uh, but I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Austin Keys kind of has that edge on him right now as we're talking. What does he do well, JJ? And I, I've watched some film on him, but just looking at like where he lined up and how much he lined up and did different things. And some of this may be a Mike Elko thing with what he did defensively. Elko is a defensive guy, but Mausi played a lot of linebacker, obviously both strong side and weak side, but also, and some of this is charted by PFF just by like where you are when the ball is snapped, but he's got a few like DB snaps as well. Um, not a ton, but it looked like that was part of the game plan in certain situations for him to, either cover a guy as a slot corner, which maybe it was a tight end that he went out there with. I, I'm not sure, but is he a guy that's pretty much an in the box player? Cause that's kind of what I, I see and in, in, in what I've watched of his tape. Absolutely. And I think you can start to put that together when you talk about the numbers that you see, right? Like in terms sure. of what you're doing past breakups in that regard as a, a linebacker out there covering the tight end, a linebacker that in four seasons, nearly 2000 snaps, only ends up with one interception. I mentioned it was a good one good and a point. big one in that Clemson game, but not able to make that many plays out there in the passing game as well. An absolute run stopper throughout his Duke career, uh, nearly 10 and a half tackles for loss uh, throughout his career as well. But uh, yeah, not, not the type of player that you're going to see, I think, make too many plays in the passing game. He's been fit more uh, to kind of stop the run. Auburn went out and got Larry Nixon last year. The the veteran linebacker from North Texas. It took him a while to kind of get his feet up under him and he didn't go through spring. It was a, it was a summer addition. Do you think Mausi is going to have a bigger impact for Auburn's linebacker room than, than Larry Nixon did? 
I would like to think so, just simply based off the numbers that we're seeing when you look at them, the caliber of football, right? I mean, uh, this is not Duke football that we're used to seeing over the past 20 years. Duke hosted college game day for football, not basketball, for the first time ever, kind of going into their big game against Notre Dame earlier this season before Riley Leonard gets hurt. So he's he's been playing some big football and been asked to do a lot for a defensive-minded coach like we talked about in Mike Elko. So the fact that he's expected to be here for the full spring, summer, leading into the season, I'd like to think that he'd be kind of a step ahead if we're comparing what Nixon did a year ago to what I'm expecting out of Mausi. Yeah. Last week, JJ, I talked about Mausi being potentially in a more similar situation to Austin Keys than Larry Nixon. Yeah. I think when you look at Keys' numbers and the you know, PFF and the grades and all that, they don't they don't really think Dorian Mausi is that great of a player, but there's sure. more to it, right? Because Austin Keys, you could turn on his tape and be like, this guy moves well. He's instinctual, but everybody around him in this Ole Miss defense is just bad. It's just bad. Then he comes over and Sadly, he didn't play as much as we wanted him to because of that injury, but he passed the eye test to me, at least. I think this could be a similar situation where he looks even better at Auburn with these guys around him. Is that fair to say? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you think about the numbers that he had in 2021. Yes, he plays nearly 800 snaps like we talked about, but that was a really bad football team, Zach. I mean, that was kind of the end of this long run that David Cutcliffe has as the football coach, Duke doesn't win a game at all in the ACC. Power 5 school that gets kind of shut out in your conference games, that's not the best look for a program. And you're asking the guys that were out there just to do way too much. And there was just this big kind of talent gap that we saw for that football team. So I think when you become kind of a lesser known character, you could start in your role more. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if we saw that from my OC. Yeah. JJ, thank you for your time as always. My friend, how can people check out everything that you've got going on? Yeah, be sure to check out Locked On Blue Devils. Excited to uh, have this show going. It's basketball season. Duke fans absolutely love hoops, so talking a lot about that. And then, uh, hey, baseball and softball season are right around the corner, Zach, so I'll have plenty of more uh, broadcasting responsibilities with our friends at the Auburn Sports Network. So excited to be uh, around the Tigers as well. Yep, like we said, JJ, the perfect guy to talk about this topic. There's no question about it. Thank you so much to JJ. Thank you so much to Brad Law and Merry Christmas to all of you. We'll be back tomorrow. This has been Locked On Auburn. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.